I awoke on the ocean. The water lapped in rhythm on the side of the boat. The vessel bobbed up and down in a slow, even cadence. By the way the sun hung in the sky, I bet it was around three in the afternoon. Usually, I'm alone. Here, on this boat, I was definitely alone. The mast rested inward, and the sail was down. Behind me, a phone rung once. It was that stock ringtone that sounded like a xylophone. You know, the one that's pre-programmed for when you get it the first time and you haven't changed it yet. I didn't recognize the number, so I let it go to voicemail. And um, it looked like I got a voicemail. And here's what it said. Hey, what's up, Murray? Uh, It's Mike G. Just giving you a phone call. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight. Uh, we're going to be at the volcano. We'll see you at uh, around 8 p.m., you know, around sundown. Um, looking forward to having you. It's always good to have you on the show. And uh, don't be late. See you then. Bye. Looking around, I was surrounded by water on all sides. I didn't know uh, where I was nor how I got there. Uh, in the distance, uh, several miles away, I guess. Uh, I saw an island. I guessed that's where I should go. I lowered the centerboard and raised the mainsail. Just enough wind was blowing to send me toward the island. I sat by the rudder and steered, staring into the distance. Now, this wasn't the first time that I had woken up in a strange place not knowing how I had arrived there. This particular scenario seemed far too idyllic to be real. It was probably an extended, lucid dream. When I'm in one of these, I find it a good policy to put my brain in neutral and just go along with it. Mike and I were supposed to record the podcast later this evening, The island looked to be about a half hour away, and I hadn't listened to the songs for this month yet, so I strapped in the earbuds, pressed play on my phone, and listened to um, one of the new songs. It was called Dogs Like Eskimos. Heartbreak, where the pub. 
zombie whistling, waiting, watching for a dove. In the distance, the sun is fading black. Sky like ocean tide, slowly pulling back. We were freezing. We were drowning in desire. Dumb like pigeons on a wire. We were in love with the heartbreak. In love with the heart. Love with a heartbreak. We were freezing in the fire. Pigeons on a wire. We were in love with the heartbreak. In love with the heartbreak. In love with the heartbreak. When I arrived near the island, I could see three small figures on the beach. As I got closer, they appeared to be well manicured and dressed in morning coats. One figure wore a top hat. By the way his right eye glimmered in the distance, I could only guess that he was wearing a monocle. Riding in at the slow wind speed, the figures at once appeared strangely her suit. People aren't normally that hairy. Inching even closer still, it all made sense. These were chimpanzees. Hello there, one chimp said in a not-so-surprising British accent. Would you care to join us? This was a dream for sure. Nearing the shore, I lowered the sail and raised the centerboard. The three chimps scurried to greet me. As they came closer... I noticed they had a large, 30-foot-long rectangle marked in the sand. It had stones every five feet along its edge, with hash marks every foot. To one short side of the rectangle was a runway of firm, packed sand. Hello, good sir. Today we are having a jumping contest. We are in need of an arbiter, a judge who can evaluate our leaps. Sure, I'll hook you up, I said. No, sir, we do not need a hook. We need a judge. The first chimp said, his friends evenly positioned behind him. You got it, I said. 
My name is Apopanax. These are my friends, Monocle and Horatio. Hello. Hello, Monocle and Horatio said, their voices higher and lower from each other. What is your name, good sir? You can call me Murray, I said. Excellent, Murray. Now, your job will be to mark our distance as well as evaluate our jumps on a ten-point scale on four criteria. Here is your clipboard. A Papunax handed me a chart with a golf pencil attached. It was hanging on worn twine. It looked like twine. The far column of the scorecard had their three names, Nax, Knuckle, and Ratio. And the top row had five letters, D, A, F, L, and G. What do the letters mean? I asked. Ah, yes. D is for distance. A is for arc. F is for form. L is for landing. And G is for gas. Gas? Yes. The best part of all. Flatulence! Then a Papanax let out a ripe fart. It was odd considering his air of propriety. He wasn't a morning coat. This was getting really, really weird. Are you ready, sir? He had run to the front of the runway, ready for action. Sure, uh, go, go, go ahead, I said. He ran with a fast gait. He grit his teeth and took off like a rocket just before the fault line. His arc was nice, form pretty good, and landing even. Upon touchdown, he farted, making a seven-inch crater in the sand right at the 15-foot mark. I gave him sevens across the board, giving him a total score of 43. A Papanax cleared the rectangle immediately, as if his life depended on it. Ready? Monocle, the next chimp, said. Go, I said. Monocle was taller than both Apopanax and Horatio. In spite of the athletic feet ahead, he continued to don the top hat and the monocle. His stride was much stronger than Nax's. His speed was superior, too. He sped faster still and jumped just before the fault. Arc, eight. Form, eight. Landing, eight. Distance, eighteen. Upon landing, Monocle strained. He let out a diminutive burst, leaving just a one-inch crater in his landing. Damn, Monocle said. He scored a 43. Now Horatio took his place. Horatio was shorter than both Nax and Knuckle. He was also less put together than either of his brethren. Unlike the others, he communicated in grunts and gestures kind of like you'd expect a chimpanzee to. He grunted, indicating that he was ready to jump. Horatio bulleted down the runway with a greater speed than both Nax and Knuckle. Before the fault, he proceeded to launch in a triple jump. One, two, three, up and away. He flew through the air. Arc, ten. Form, ten. Landing, perfect. Distance, only ten. 
but it was a beautiful launch. Upon landing, Ratio dug down deep. Then, he anchored the biggest fart I had ever seen or heard, marking a 12-inch crater in the sand. It smelled awful. 52 points for Horatio. It would appear that Horatio has won, wouldn't you say? Yep, 52 points. Would you like to try? A Poppinac said. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, passing through. Just passing through. I'll tell you what. If you can beat Horatio, we won't eat you. All of a sudden, everything changed. The three chimps cackled wildly like hyenas on the hunt. They circled me and forced me onto the runway. Fifty-three, or we eat you, Knuckles said. Now, he was much more terse than a Poppinax. I took position at the edge of the runway. The chimps began to jump up and down on the shore side. Out of nowhere, Monocle, I don't know where he got this, but he set up a dining table adhering to strict British tradition. Go, good sir, Nax said. As I began my run, I considered my fate. You know, I was good for maybe five on distance, and the chimps were holding all the cards for the other three criteria. They looked hungry, so I figured, unless this was some kind of joke, I was going to get low marks. And being made of wood, I don't ever pass gas, and uh, my uh, flatulence score would be a zero. So I needed a plan, and I needed one fast. So I did the only thing I could do. I sped up. I ran faster. I thought briefly of Mike, who was probably waiting for me on the island somewhere. I really didn't want to miss another show. Um, And my life began to flash before my eyes. The chips jumped and laughed. I neared the fault line. And instead of jumping, I just kept running. Foul! Foul, foul, foul! A Poppinax yelled. Automatic dinner, Monocle said. I ran to the boat and jumped in. My weight being just enough to push off, I raised the sail and dropped the centerboard. I got away in the nick of time. We can't swim. It would ruin our morning coats, A Poppinax said. Horatio shook his fists. Monocle tipped his top hat in a gentlemanly acknowledgement of defeat. I sailed away from the island, around to the far side. The thing about these guys is that I've seen them before. They're always in my dreams. They're always in threes. I don't know if they represent me. I don't know if they belong to someone else. I don't know what they are, but the thing about beating them is this. When it comes down to it, winning is all that really matters to them. And when in that situation, when winning is the only thing that matters, and you find that you can't win, it's best not to play. That's the most important life lesson I've ever learned. 
I sailed on. When the three chimps were out of my eye line, I rest my head on the side of the boat. I slipped on my earphones and listened to the next song. Rounding the island, I saw the sun begin to set on the ocean. I don't have much time, I thought. I came to the isle's west beach and went ashore. The beach was crisp with white sand. A pathway reached into the jungle just beyond the beach. I walked to the path. Fifty paces in, I saw a giant blue elephant juggling tricycles. He was huge and obstructed the entire pathway. To his left and to his right was nothing but jungle. It was absurd, but it was there. An elephant juggling tricycles. Excuse me, Mr. Elephant, may I pass? 
I asked. Not without the password. You get three tries, the elephant said. His tricycle juggling was unwavering and flawless, although he only tossed three at a time. If you fail, I toss you into the volcano. Uh, what volcano? That one. That would be quite a toss, bro, I said. On a dime, the mammoth elephant crumpled all three tricycles into a ball, like a mass of loose-leaf paper, and tossed it a mile away. It headed to the volcano, passed cleanly over the rim, and disappeared. Nothing but net. The volcano seemed to burp at just the right time, too. The blue elephant reached into the brush and pulled out three new tricycles and began juggling. Your first guess, please, he said. Seeing as how he had a thing for tricycles, I figured that would be a good first guess. Tricycle, I said. My confidence preceded me. Incorrect. The elephant accelerated his juggling. Your second guess, please. Hmm. Tricky. How about elephant, I said. Incorrect. Not so fast, good sir, a familiar voice said. I turned around and saw Apopanax, Monocle, and Horatio walking towards us, dripping wet. I guess their morning coats weren't that important. Mr. Mungo, he's ours, Monocle said. His top hat was vile and starving. He is entitled to one more guess, Mr. Mungo said. Article 12, Section 48 states, If two parties collide, a reversal of fortune is warranted as a means of negotiation. I propose this. If he fails, he's yours. If he succeeds, he goes into the fire. Great. Great. Either way... I think I'm not getting out of this one alive. The three chimps and the bloated, giant blue elephant all began to laugh and bellow. The chimps eked in pleasure. Mr. Mungo's fat folds jiggled like jello. Suddenly, Horatio, in his id-like demeanor, broke cadence and charged. He had a knife in one hand and a fork in the other. He snarled like any hungry chimp would have. Horatio leapt, much like he had earlier in the day, except, upon landing, he wouldn't be letting one fly. He'd be eating me for dinner. It was in mid-grunt that the blue pachyderm foot-swiped up Horatio into mid-air. One of Mungo's three tricycles flew over the jungle and into the volcano. He continued to juggle the remaining two with his free foot. If you can't obey the rules, you don't get to play, Mr. Mungo said. He continued to juggle and added Horatio into the mix. No, Mr. Mungo. The visitor was under our jurisdiction first. Our rules supersede yours, Apopanax said. 
Mr. Mungo considered Nax's query for what seemed like a full five seconds. Then, in the blink of an eye, he threw the remaining tricycles into the volcano, picked up a Papanax and monocle, and proceeded to juggle all three of them. Mr. Mungo didn't flinch a bit. Put us down, Monocle said. <laughs> As you wish. Mr. Mungo tied the still wet morning coats of a Papanax, Monocle, and Horatio together in a three-way knot. Then he spun them like a frisbee across the brush and up into the volcano. Your last guess, please. I considered turning around and running to the boat. Drifting at sea has a better survival rate than volcano diving. While Mr. Mungo was a fat elephant, he was a fast fat elephant who could nab me quickly. Running was not an option. The probability of me guessing the correct password was slim to none. The obvious words were out. A few cold guesses might have worked, but probably not. I didn't know the password. Ten seconds, please. As if bored and unable to wait, Mr. Mungo pulled out three new tricycles from the brush. He began to juggle once again. If you can't, don't. That's the rule that got me out of the first mess. Why not try it here? Time. The password is... Um, there is no password. Unflinching and fluidly juggling, Mr. Mungo said, Correct. I felt a swelling of triumph. I won. The three chimps were gone, at least for now, and this blue beast owed me a getting out of the way. Unfortunately, Article 12, Section 48 requires that I still throw you into the volcano, he said. Mr. Mungo juggled the three trikes in one foot while putting me on a fourth trike. As he slung his arm back, I asked him, Who makes the rules around here anyway? Mr. Mungo sneered through his fat blue jowls and said, I do. He flung me as hard as he could, which was pretty hard. I spun for ten seconds or so before straightening out and seeming to be riding on a flying tricycle. In the distance, I saw the sun set, slipping below the horizon for the last time. The air became exceedingly hot as I crossed the lip of the volcano and headed inward and downward. I began to pass out. As I faded into the dark, I heard a song. Maybe it's the end of the road The station has unraveled Gravity is light and alone Grinding up the gravel
Maybe it's the end of the line. The hourglass is breaking. I'm like a monkey walking into the light. And aping for the taking. But I know we'll meet again in time. And our hearts will beat as one for now. Goodbye. Where'd you come from? It's just like I was just about to, to start recording, and, and there you are. I didn't, I didn't hear you come in. Man, I had the weirdest dream, and I think, I think I'm think i just going to go home. That's cool. I just, I'm just going to go home. Okay. That's okay. I, I'm going to go home. All right. Well, thank you all. Um, we're, we're not going to do our normal podcast this month. Um, we'll put the songs up. Uh, this is the June... 2013 Echoes of Winter podcast from MikeGarrigan.com. My name is Mike Garrigan. That was Murray. Um, We'll be back next month. Um, See you then.